Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 241. Thanks for listening, everybody. Welcome back. Hope all of you are well, wherever you are. Hopefully you haven't been in the path of any storms recently, the pandemic issues, the uh, rioting and protests, fallout from Democratic and Republican presidential conventions and all that good stuff and bad stuff hopefully is not you know hopefully you're you're getting through your day today as well as you can i want to take a second here at the top of the show to say that i am dedicating this episode not that he's going to know the difference but i'm dedicating this episode to zorro zorro is one of my family's cats he is uh, 13 years old something like that a Humane Society Rescue. He's called Zorro. We didn't name him. The Humane Society named him. He's black and white. And his black, the black on his face looks exactly like a Zorro mask. And he's even got a little black uh, goatee going. Long hair cat, probably a Maine Coon, or at least some of that in his family history. So he's like 20 pounds. He's a big boy. But uh, that's not protecting him from the tumor that he has. He's not doing so great as I'm recording this. By the time you're hearing this, and I'm a little freaked out because he's sitting across the room watching me right now. By the time you're hearing this, he's probably not with us anymore. So that's sort of a, on top of a year of bad things, that's just another bad thing on top of everything else. So um, for what it's worth, I'm dedicating this episode to Zorro. And if you are inclined to pour one out for uh, someone we lose, um, you know, appreciate it if you would uh, pour one out for Zorro. While you're at it, maybe make a donation to the Humane Society, because, uh, I mean, we gave him 13 good years. Who knows what would have happened to him had it not been for those folks at the Humane Society. So, this one's for you, Z-Dog. Okay, well, let's get on to more fun things. Got some feedback about Gravatar. Um, that was, let's see, not last week. That was episode 239. I heard from Sean Courtney. Hi, Sean. He wrote uh, on the Patreon... If you guys want to subscribe to the Patreon, by the way, you can do that. And we'll talk more about that at the end of the show. Uh, he wrote, I don't think I've ever played the arcade Gravatar, but from what I can tell, it looks like a more advanced Lunar Lander, a game I despise, all capitals. But I do like Gravatar. I played the Atari 2600 version in a competition at Underground Retrocade a few years ago. Really liked it. An arcade game I did play, though, Cosmotrons. That's kind of a modern remake of Gravatar. Color vector style game, and you can play against up to, I think, five other people. If you're ever at an arcade or event that has it, play it. It is so... like five O's in so... cool. Thanks for the comment, Sean. I think I responded that I believe I saw Cosmotron at a, uh, like a Comic-Con type event that I had a booth at last year. There was a Cosmotron, I think, and a couple of pinball machines. I had a chance to uh, sneak away from my booth and play a little pinball, but I did not play the Cosmotron. Frankly, I didn't exactly know what it was. It looked interesting, but I just didn't get over there to play it. kind of wish I had. When I start going to cons again, maybe I'll see it again and check it out. Thanks for the comment, Sean. Patron Michael Tyler also commented about Gravatar. Hi, Michael. He wrote, I was pretty good at video games growing up, but wow. Gravatar rolled over me like a redneck trucker every time I played it. Did I mention this comment on last week's episode? Uh, I think I did, because I think I added a uh, 
you know, special uh, a public service announcement indicating that we all know we we know that red not all redneck truck drivers are prone to rolling over people, but for those who are, knock it off. Especially since my kid is driving now, so uh, watch out. All right, I know Gravitar was a couple weeks ago now, but if you have thoughts about Gravitar, I'm still happy to hear those and share them on the show. If you have comments about any of the games that we've played on the show or the stories that I've done or any games we might or might not do in the future, go ahead and send the comments now. I don't care. Um, I'm just happy to hear from you. So thanks, everybody. All right, let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is Planet of the Apes. Or if you prefer, the title was originally going to be given for legal reasons, Revenge of the Apes. A lot of you probably know the story of Planet of the Apes, the uh, Atari game. It was a prototype that was developed to become a released game, but it never did was going to be from 20th Century Fox video games. Uh, they did some initial playtesting in 1983. In 1983, the game never actually came out. As you play it, you can tell that it's not quite done, but it is an interesting looking game. You're playing as George Taylor, the Charlton Heston role in the original Planet of the Apes, which for my money is the only Planet of the Apes you should acknowledge. That and it's, you know, four sequels. The remake Planet of the Apes don't interest me at all. I think I saw the remake of Planet of the Apes, and it was fine, but it wasn't, well, like with any remake, it wasn't the original. And the subsequent films just didn't interest me at all. So I have not seen those. They may be great. I don't know. But when I talk about Planet of the Apes, I'm really only talking about original Planet of the Apes. And this 1983 Atari game, of course, was only based on the originals, the original and its sequels. Oh, by the way, I'm a little out of breath right now. You may have noticed all of a sudden because... As I was in the middle of recording in one location in the house, it suddenly became very noisy, and I had to rush to another location of the house and resume recording. So, if I sound a little bit out of breath, that's why, because I'm a middle-aged dude out of shape. So, there you go. So, as I said, you're uh, in the game, you're George Taylor, uh, running through, as you start the game, running through the, uh, I guess you kind of have to imagine it as sort of the forest grassy area where Taylor and the other two astronauts after they first crash on the Planet of the Apes by the way, I'm probably going to spoil things for the original Planet of the Apes movies for the few of you who don't know how this goes. So maybe go watch the movie, at least the first one, before you listen to this episode if you really don't want to be spoiled. Even if you have seen the movie before, go watch it again, because it's great. So Taylor and the astronauts crash land. They're trying to figure out where they are. Suddenly, oh my god, here's all these apes on horses. And they've got, you know, they're human slaves, and they're running around, and they're capturing, you know, scooping up all the humans in nets and things, and what the hell's going on? So basically, the Atari game is you starting out, not all three astronauts, just one, your tailor, and you're running, and you're being chased, sort of, although they kind of ignore you, frankly. They run across the screen, chimpanzees, they don't harm you, you can touch them, and you can shoot them. I don't know what you're shooting them with, uh, but you can. They don't hurt you. Now, if you touch, I think it's the orangutans, certainly the gorillas. The gorillas can shoot you. The orangutans, I think, if you touch those, they're the ones that can capture you, and you go to another screen where you're in sort of the ape village. I, I picture it as like the, the laboratory where Zira and Cornelius, I think it's Zira, work and you know experiment on the humans and things. And you can escape from there. Basically, what you're trying to do in the game is head south, meaning down. You can go crosswise. But you're trying to go down through the various forest levels and desert levels and uh, the ape village. You have a certain amount of life force. And every time you get shot, of course, you lose some of that. If you fall into a pit, you lose some. You can cross the rivers. That's one of my favorite parts because when you're crossing a river, 
It actually looks like your dude is swimming. So that's kind of cool. And your dude, by the way, looks exactly like Pitfall Harry. Uh, although maybe he's got blue. I don't have it in front of me now. Maybe he's got blue clothes instead of green. But yeah, basically it's Pitfall Harry. So you go through these forest levels in Ape Village and you get eventually to these caverns where there's nothing that's going to shoot you, but you can get lost. And that's all the farther I've gotten today. And that's, uh, but eventually once you get through those caverns, you get to the Statue of Liberty, which of course was the climax of the original Planet of the Apes movie. And that's where you want to end up in the game. Yeah, that's basically how you play. So in a minute, we'll talk about more of what Planet of the Apes is and uh, you know what we think. But first, let's hear an ad for another podcast. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. Plan of the Apes was originally a novel from 1963 by French author Pierre Buell, uh, in French, I'm going to butcher this, La Planète de Singes, La Planète de Singes. I butchered that, I'm sure. I'm sorry, French speakers. Translated into English as Planet of the Apes, or Monkey Planet. The 1968 film adaptation, Planet of the Apes, was a critical and commercial hit and initiated a series of sequels, tie-ins, and derivative works. Arthur P. Jacobs produced the first five Apes films through Jack Productions for distributor 20th Century Fox, since his death in 1973, Fox has controlled the franchise. The original Planet of the Apes in 68 was followed by Beneath the Planet of the Apes in 70, Escape from the Planet of the Apes in 71, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes in 72, Battle for the Planet of the Apes in 73. I like all of them. Some of them better than others, of course, but I enjoy all of them. The remake, Planet of the Apes in 2001, which I did see, didn't love it, didn't hate it necessarily, but just kind of a, a shoulder shrug. Eh, okay, that's a thing they did. And then the rebooted series... I actually thought it was earlier than this, but it was Rise of the Planet of the Apes in 2011, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes in 2014, War for the Planet of the Apes in 2017. Uh, I know nothing about any of them other than I think Woody Harrelson was in at least some of them. Otherwise, I know nothing. So if you love those remakes, great. Go ahead and contact me in one of the various ways and let me know what you think of them. If you love or hate the originals, too, because uh, I do. I really like them. I don't know why they felt the need to remake them. I don't know why they ever feel the re- need, uh, need to remake good movies when there's so many bad and just okay movies that they could remake. But they keep doing it. Oh, speaking of remakes, or not exactly remakes, revivals. I just saw Bill and Ted Face the Music. This has nothing to do with Planet of the Apes, but loved it. It was great. I really liked Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey when they came out. I've watched them periodically over the years. I'm not like a, a fanatic. I didn't really read the comics or watch the cartoon series, although I think I might now check those out. Supposedly those were pretty good too. But I was weirdly excited about Face the Music, which in turn made me nervous about seeing it because things, pop culture things that you get really excited about, especially um, revivals of old 
beloved franchises almost never live up to hype, but Face the Music really does. You have to be in a certain mindset uh, to watch a Bill and Ted movie because they are, by design, silly. The science fiction part of it is not expected to make any sense, and it doesn't, but you're not there for that. You're there for the ride. Um, you're here for, there for the charm and the joy and the pure optimism of the movies. And right now, we need some joy and optimism. So I was there for that. I totally uh, recommend Face the Music if you haven't already seen it. And if you have seen it, watch it again. You won't be disappointed. All right, well, back to Planet of the Apes. There was a television series, too, Planet of the Apes 1974, which I believe I have seen, at least some of it, years ago. I don't remember much about it. I think the premise is yet another couple of astronauts end up in the future. This seems to happen a lot because you had Taylor and his crew in the original Planet of the Apes. And then in the next one, spoiler, another astronaut lands in exactly the same place by accident in the future as Taylor was. And he's basically, he's there to find Taylor. I think that's it for, at least in the original series, of astronauts stumbling into this exact same moment in future Earth. I mean, they have movies where the apes go back in time and then they move forward in time and it's all very confusing, very science fiction-y time travel stuff. So I don't remember much about the TV series, other than there was one. There's an animated series, too, from 1975 called Return to the Planet of the Apes, which I don't think I've ever seen. Video games. Planet of the Apes in 2001, Revenge of the Apes in 2003, Planet of the Apes Last Frontier in 2017, Crisis on the Planet of the Apes in 2018. I know nothing about any of those. The four sequels from 70 to 73, surprisingly, did not do as well with the critics as the original sequels almost never do, with some exceptions, of course. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, I think, is beloved to an extent rivaling the original. Maybe not surpassing it, but rivaling it. I would argue that, I don't know if anyone else would, but I would argue that uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is as good as Raiders of the Lost Ark, and in some ways, maybe better. Plans for a film remake of Planet of the Apes stalled in development hell for over 10 years before Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes was released in 2001, and then the reboot series commenced in 2011, which I mentioned. The films have grossed a total of over U.S. $2 billion worldwide against a combined budget of $567.5 million. Along with further narratives and various media, franchise tie-ins include video games, toys, and planned theme park rides. Planet of the Apes has received particular attention among film critics for its treatment of racial issues. Cinema and cultural analysts have also explored its Cold War and animal rights themes. Yeah, all of that is their big time. Again, I can only speak to the original series of movies, but yeah, all of that is their big time. It's interesting when I watch films that I grew up with with my kids, like The Planet of the Apes or War Games with Matthew Broderick or films like that, I constantly have to be explaining. Well, you know, here's what the Cold War was. And here's, you know, kind of what the mindset of the world was at that time, things like that. And they just kind of look at me like, what are you talking about? In the TV series, Ron Harper and James Naughton played Alan Verdon and Peter Burke, two 20th century American astronauts who passed through a time warp to a future where apes subjugate humans. Unlike the original film, the humans can speak. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that. Roddy McDowell, who played Cornelius in the original movies, was in the TV series too, but he played a different ape called Galen. Booth Coleman played Renitan counselor Zayas and Mark Leonard played guerrilla general Urko. Verdon, Burke, and Galen are looking for a way home, aid downtrodden humans and apes, and avoid the authorities. The show premiered in September on September 13, 1974. The show earned low ratings during its run and was canceled after 14 episodes. The last episode aired on December 20th, 1974. In 1981, Fox re-edited 10 of the episodes into five television films. 
Each film combined two episodes and, in some markets, added new introductory and concluding segments starring McDowell as an aged Galen. The films were given what scholar Eric Green calls the most outlandish titles of the apes' corpus. Back to the Planet of the Apes. Forgotten City of the Planet of the Apes. Treachery and Greed on the Planet of the Apes. Liberty and Pursuit on the Planet of the Apes. And Farewell to the Planet of the Apes. Green finds the show's position in the apes' timeline significant. Set in 3085, it occurs about 900 years before Taylor's crash in the original film and 400 years after the Lawgiver's sermon in battle. By depicting a future where apes dominate humans, it implies the Lawgiver's message of equality between man and apes has failed, giving way to the more pessimistic interpretation of battle's ending. Green argues that the show emphasized the theme of racial conflict less than the films had, though the episode The Trap and The Liberator made it a central focus. The plot of the animated series in 1975 concerned three American astronauts, Bill Hudson, Jeff Allen, and Judy Franklin, who inadvertently journey to the Earth's far future. They find the world populated by three groups, mute humans, who inhabit desert caves, subterranean humans, human underdwellers, fashioned after the mutants, of Beneath and civilized apes who subjugate the humans. Through the show, the astronauts become increasingly involved in the planet's affairs and in defending the humans against an ape invasion. NBC broadcast 13 episodes between September 6 and November 29, 1975. The show did not achieve particularly strong ratings. The network considered producing a second three-episode season to complete the story, but this never materialized. Planet of the Apes, or Revenge of of the Apes, as it was later called, was initially planned as the Planet of the Apes film franchise's first video game and was still in the prototype phase when Fox shuttered its game division during the video game crash of 83. It went unreleased and was assumed lost until 2002 when collectors identified a mislabeled cartridge as the missing Planet of the Apes game. It was completed and released as Revenge of the Apes by Retro Design in 2003. The player controls Taylor, the protagonist from the 1968 film, through several environments inspired by the film, a forest, a river, the ape village, a desert, and caverns. Obstacles include three types of apes, harmless chimpanzees, orangutans who inflict damage and imprison Taylor in the ape village if they touch him, and gorillas who inflict more damage, fire projectiles, and also imprison Taylor. The action button fires Taylor's gun and also allows him to escape the ape village caves, uh, cage and pits. Counters at the top of the screen track Taylor's life, which decreases with damage and his limited number of escapes, which I believe are also counted at the top of the screen. And I think you get like five of them. Players beat the game by navigating to the latest board, to the last board, a ruined Statue of Liberty, as seen seen in the film. Upon completion, the game restarts with a higher difficulty setting. John Marvin was the programmer. He completed enough of the work to bring the prototype game through initial play testing, but he left Fox for a new job at Epix before finishing the project. The game remained unfinished when Fox closed its video game division three months later, and Planet of the Apes never saw a release. The game was thought to be lost until the 1990s when collectors found a copy of Planet of the Apes, the prototype, in a case labeled Alligator People, another abandoned Fox game. They initially assumed the game was, in fact, Alligator People, due to labeling and the lack of solid information about either title. In 2002, a genuine copy of Alligator People was located, leading to speculation about what the previously found game could be. Collector uh, Matt Riker's research established that the game was actually John Marvin's Lost Planet of the Apes, which had apparently been stored in the wrong case. In 2003, independent designer Retro Design 
completed and published the game under the title Revenge of the Apes. Additions include a soundtrack and an updated Statue of Liberty ending. Video game writer Brett Wise wrote that the game is fairly generic, but of interest to Planet of the Apes fans. Earl Green of All Game stated that gameplay is a bit less thrilling, but graphics are adequate, and noted that additional features would likely have been added had production continued on the prototype. There is also a Planet of the Apes tie-in to the 2001 movie, by the way, but that isn't what we're talking about today, obviously. In the prototype, references to Taylor were removed from the revived version of the game, along with the title Planet of the Apes. Like I said, it was called Revenge of the Apes over copyright concerns. I mentioned earlier that you know, you're moving through these deserts and forests and the ape village. Basically, your, your goal is to keep moving down or south, and that's how you get to the, the, you know, from the forest to the desert to the ape village to the caverns to the Statue of Liberty. An article on dailygrindhouse.com from July 12, 2017, observed that the Planet of the Apes franchise is a little bit unusual in the sense that it was popular. You know, there was a, a novel that spawned a, a set of movies and a TV show and then an anime TV show, but still the, the franchise has never quite achieved what the article calls nerd cultural saturation like Star Wars or Star Trek or Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or Doctor Who. The article says the original Apes film series was hugely successful and the revived films are either surprisingly good or directed by Tim Burton, so why don't Apes characters appear with the same frequency as ill-conceived uh, on ill-conceived political memes or t-shirts at Target as the characters in the other franchises? Part of the issue this writer concludes is that while the other franchise fandoms are very much based on the characters within them, the Apes franchise has always been based on themes that it presents in showing cultural ramifications of human behavior. The other series have easy-to-identify characters that have appeared in roughly the same form for years, if not decades, while Apes is a portrait of a full timeline, where the characters don't matter as much as the ideas that they represent. Outside of a few moments from the original 68 Planet of the Apes, there, are very, there is very little about the film series that translates well into lunchboxes and parody videos. It's too darn over arching ruminative for the general pop cultural translation. One of the ways that Apes has never really succeeded in entering the pop culture is the lack of a genuinely memorable video game. They mention uh, in 2001 when a pair of poorly received games were issued for the PlayStation and Game Boy in a tie-in with the Tim Burton film, but that was about it, apparently. In the early 1980s, video games had their first taste of being a cultural phenomenon, and the Atari 2600 was the video game console to beat. There were quite a few notably bad decisions, most notoriously the historical failure of video game versions of, of E.T. the Extraterrestrial, although there were a few successful ones like Raiders of the Lost Ark and Troll. Alligator People, which for a long time this prototype was thought to be, was apparently a really bad 50s movie about people that are being injected with a drug by a mad scientist, and they're slowly turning into alligators that have to run through a moving maze and all these alligators. There were also syringes that you had dodge, and if a syringe touched you, you slowly turned into an alligator. This is apparently described in the Atari game. In Planet of the Apes, you have a human being chased by apes, and the only way to win is to find the Statue of Liberty, as in the first movie. The article uh, references Marvin, the designer, having commented that the game wasn't completely finished. Playing the game was an exercise in frustration due to limited movement. A user in the Atari Age forums apparently commented that, quote, I believe the apes were going to be able to move up and down as well as the side to side they do now. I booted the game up, worshipped the wood drain, and watched the movement patterns of the enemies. While they can reach the far edge of the screen, you can see the sprite change for just a moment to either a stick figure or a stick figure with one foot raised. This animation technique was usually used to show a character moving up and down screen. 
think Berserk robots. Anyway, the gameplay would be nearly finished had they given the enemy sprites more than just a right-to-left movement. The extra touches for the game to make it quote-unquote complete were provided by programmers at Retro Design, Thomas Jentz, who completed the game, added music by Paul Slocum, and a title card and issued it on limited edition Atari 2600 cartridge the way it was meant to be seen. For legal reasons, they had to give it a name change, issuing it as Revenge of the Apes. For copyright reasons, but one could finally play the first and admittedly pretty fun, Planet of the Apes video game in its natural habitat. Alright, well, we know that I like the Planet of the Apes movies a lot, but do I like the Atari game a lot? Or a little? Or not at all? And... Just as importantly, maybe more importantly, am I inspired to write a short story? Let's find out after the break. After which, the apes fling their crap all over the rest of this episode. Get your paws off me, you damn dirty apes! They'll have to pry this joystick out of my cold, dead hands. That was my brilliant Charlton Heston impression. For the few of you who didn't recognize it. Alright, we're playing Planet of the Apes. The prototype. The original. And only, apparently. I'm a little surprised that uh, the Planet of the Apes remakes over the last few years, they haven't uh, gotten more video games out. Maybe they have. At least not for the Atari, obviously. Um... So, let's give it a shot. There's Pitfall Harry. Sorry. George Taylor. Doing what heroes in action movies do. Dying in pits, apparently. Which, again. So, what I read said, yeah, you can shoot the, uh, dang it. You can shoot the, uh, gorillas and... Am I dead already? Maybe I'll just take a minute to talk about this. So, the idea is to head south. You can shoot these uh, chimpanzees and orangutans that we're pretty much seeing here, but they're not going to hurt you. Um, the idea is to get south to, of course, the Statue of Liberty. Um, we're going to meet up with some gorillas that can shoot you, and you don't want to get captured and so forth, but don't waste your time shooting these guys. Evidently, is the, uh, the message of the day. So, let's try this again. Interesting looking game. 
like I said, thank you, Detective Fire. And I died again. This is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games, which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast? but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So here's the thing about Planet of the Apes. I actually do like what I see here, even with all the limitations that we've discussed. I'd say it needs a little more work. I am curious 
what the decision was as far as all those chimpanzees that are just there but can't actually do anything to you. I'm not really sure what the point of that is, but certainly you have the orangutans that can capture you, the gorillas that can shoot you or capture you. It's interesting, the thing about you know how you can be captured, but you can only escape a certain number of times. I'm not really sure what the point of that is. Maybe it should be harder. Maybe you should have an unlimited number of escapes, potentially, but it should be harder somehow. I don't know. It's an interesting game. I think I would play it some more. I think I would like it if uh, you know a home brewer would take another shot at making a Planet of the Apes-style game and see what they could come up with. But it's certainly worth playing if you're able to get a hold of uh, a ROM or something. As always, if you guys have thoughts about Planet of the Apes, let me know. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story is titled Planet or Wing It. Welcome to Planet or Wing It, the show where we help the newly evolved dominant species on a given planet decide whether that planet is the perfect home for them to ironically exploit after overthrowing the previous dominant species who are doing the same thing, or whether they should conquer and colonize some other planet just because they can, provided the sinks have good backsplashes and the bathrooms have been updated. I'm your host, Lance Lackey. Let's meet our guest. Dr. Z is the leader of a newly evolved race of talking apes which has taken over Earth. The apes are trying to decide whether to stay on Earth and make this suffering decimated planet their own cozy bungalow, or whether they should overthrow and colonize some other unsuspecting planet. Lance, buddy, Dr. Z told me, we love our smoldering home so much, but we're worried about having space for the kids. Our kids. The human kids can bugger off. We hear you, Dr. Z. We hear you. Since the nuclear war devastated Earth, the once vibrant and thriving planet has become a bit of a wasteland. Even their most valued works of art have fallen into disrepair. It would require substantial, tender, loving care to make it homey and is perhaps the greatest fixer-upper in the galaxy at this time. We're not sure a thousand voiceless, conquered humans could put it back together. That's why some of Dr. Z's associates believe that it would be a better use of their weirdly anachronistic weapons to colonize another planet that is move-in ready. Also, Dr. Z told us, it would help if a new planet was cooled with cruel and invasive experiments and occasional lobotomies. He paused, then added, and hardwood floors. When the humans were in charge, they were able to extract the minerals they needed from the ground, harvest their crops, and butcher their own animals, Dr. Z lamented. Ape kind is above such menial tasks. That knowledge died with the humans in the nuclear holocaust, anyway, which they caused, I might add. Now that we are in charge, we're seeing just how much work all this is, Zayas told us, gesturing wildly. Listen, I have no doubt conquest was the right call, but I don't know how the humans did it. The doctor's associate piped up. Well, you know what they say, humans see, human do. He guffawed awkwardly at that, then more seriously said, We could enslave the humans and force them to work for us. Dr. Z looked nervously at the camera. Kidding. He's kidding. Perhaps he was kidding, but when we suggested that the new ape empire perhaps needed to go somewhere less high-maintenance instead, he bristled. You mean space travel? Like those other... Uh, never mind. 
We assured him we can find a plant that's an easy commute from the human work farms. No conquest required, Dr. Z asked. No conquest. What would be the point of that? Anyway, Earth is rich in natural resources this fledgling dynasty could take advantage of. Not only are there many empty buildings left standing from the wars, some of the wars, some of the water is not irradiated, and those weird mute psychics living in the rubble will happily portend future events ominously. And the chance of occasionally spotting travelers from the past wearing loincloths lends a quirky element you might not get on other less eclectic planets. Still, Earth is sort of a been-there-done-that planet now, isn't it? So we offered Dr. Z some other options. Beel Tug 14 is a ways out there on the outer rim of the galaxy, but boasts lots of natural light. Being super close to the sun will do that. While the apes would have to ship water in from other planets because the heat has boiled away the Biltug oceans, the wide-open, craggy vistas and lack of competing life forms on the rocky planet make this peaceful planet attractive indeed. Fartus, in contrast, is a dense, forested planet where the jungles team with screaming vegetation. But they scream in harmony, so it's actually quite lovely. At night, though, the planet is quiet. All the better to hide from the spiders. And cozy. A welcome retreat for a conquering force. But, you know, conquering apes gotta conquer. So maybe the apes would like a planet that would provide another new fun bit of genocide. The mole people of Serendus are just waiting to throw down their pointy sticks. Gently, though, because if you slam it down too forcefully, it could still bounce up and stab somebody. And be taken in by the next invading force. It might as well be the apes. But when we went to offer a new home to the apes, Dr. Z shook his head. Don't look for it, Lance. You may not like what you find. Then he lobotomized the production crew. Not that we noticed right away. Until next time, this is Lance Lackey leaving you with this thought. Damn you. Damn you all to hell. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Competech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the storytime theme. Swing from podcast tree to podcast tree as you please, but make sure you go bananas all over Apple Podcasts with a five-star review of this show. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at AtariBytes or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram. You can also call us anytime. Leave a voicemail at 563-265-1978 about pretty much anything you want and there's a good chance I'll play it on the show. Check out the website www.carnivalofgleecreations.com There's information, show notes, episode links for this podcast, for my other show, it's a podcast, Charlie Brown, information about books that I've written and links to some of the places you can order them like Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts and just all sorts of interesting stuff. So go check that out. Consider supporting the show financially by becoming a subscriber on the Atari Bytes Patreon page at patreon.com. Depending what level you subscribe at, you could get access to these weekly episodes early. You wouldn't have to wait till Sunday necessarily. You could also get bonus content, which I put up there from time to time that you don't get as part of the regular feed, like video of the field report. 
that I put up there every week and other stuff that I do from time to time. Thanks to my current patrons, Michael Tyler, Jose Gazeta, Sean Courtney, and Aerospike. You guys are awesome. All right, well, next time on Atari Bytes, we're playing Hero, H period, E period, R period, O period. What that's uh, an acronym for, I don't know. We'll find out next week. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. Thank you.